Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're, we're the Stevensons. Stevensons. I'm a pastor to kids. And I'm trying to keep the runner from heading for the door. <laughs> and, and this, this is, is the Kidman Creatives Podcast. Podcast. So today we're talking about crowd control, or what one could call crowd engagement. If the kids are out of control, <laughs> there's probably some reasons for this. Um, we talked in episode one about designing your spaces with the environment and its physical impact that it can have on kids in mind. But there's many other factors that impact child behavior. Yes. And sometimes, <laughs> I hate to say this, but sometimes the issue could even be you. Ouch. I know. So Ouch. let's discuss. Okay, so I clearly remember this one time when I was at camp. It was a tween camp. And so the tween camp, it was like fourth to sixth grade kids. Mm -hmm. And so as I was the camp counselor for this group of, I think it was eight tween boys. Stinky cabin. We were trying to get to sleep. And um, (laughs) instead of sleeping, there was a lot of talking and laughing and noises and all kinds of things happening. And I remember lying in my bunk and thinking, we have to get up in five hours and be ready for the next day and it was so clear that i was losing control and losing that spot of being able to keep everything together and keep these kids in a place where they could get enough sleep so they wouldn't be falling (laughs) asleep during chapel time at camp and so i resorted to the only thing i could think to do (laughs) i said all right that's it Everyone be quiet. We're praying for every country in Africa, starting (laughs) now. Dear God, we pray for Zimbabwe. And I started going and started praying for probably 40 minutes. (laughs) And I just did not stop praying until all of those kids were asleep. And we had prayed for every country in Africa. That's awesome. And... I remember the next morning being so tired and thinking there has to be an easier way to do this. Like, why was this so difficult (laughs) to keep this group of fourth to sixth grade boys like in a place where they're able to engage with what's happening at camp and not being unkind to each other or in a place where things are just, you know, kind of out of control. Hmm. So... Thinking about this in terms of scripture and in terms of theology, and here's the thing I was thinking about. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 26 through 33, Paul is giving the church at Corinth some instructions on how to order their worship service. Now, Corinth was a very special case because Corinth was a little bit out of control in a lot of ways. Hmm. They were doing all kinds of things that were not things they should be doing, and they were not being friendly or kind to each other. There was a lot of problems happening. And so Paul says to them in this chapter, he's talking through and saying, well, my brothers and sisters, in verse 26, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. And he goes on and gives some more parameters and ideas for how to do this. And in verse 
33, he says, For God is not a God of disorder, Hmm. but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. And really, part of the thought behind this is Paul saying, Look, you've got to have some sort of structure to what you're doing. Otherwise, how is someone going to come into this space and encounter God? How is someone going to come in here and discover who God is, what God has done, is doing, and will do? If everything is just out of control and out of the structure and anything is happening all at once, it's going to be very difficult for even think about a kid, for a kid to see, okay, here is who God is Hmm. if they are in the midst of chaos. And so now here's the flip side to this, though. Some people have taken these verses to mean God is not fun. And there is no fun to be had. And everyone needs to sit down and be quiet and not say a word. And not move. And not move an inch until it is finished. And there is a definite, there's a definite balance that we're striking here. Kids are not the same as adults in some ways kids you know they enjoy having fun and sometimes kids are a little more responsive (laughs) than perhaps adults are kids are (laughs) processing discovering they have out loud aha moments when they're piecing things together and we should definitely encourage that kind of environment and we should encourage them having fun as they are discovering who Jesus is. I always say I think it is wrong to make the Bible boring and it is wrong to say that the Bible is not the fun part or learning Mm. about God is not the fun part of what we're going to do. And so we should definitely encourage an environment and create an atmosphere where kids can discover God. I think that's Paul's point behind this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. And the question is, are we letting things in our children's ministry get to a point where a kid walks in and they are not able to encounter God in that space? Or are we creating a space where kids can respond to who God is? You know, I think one other little side note is you think about Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, those very famous fruits of the Spirit, which Sarah knows all of, as we found out in our last episode. But we know that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Mm. And so that idea of not being, you know, in total chaos and where people are being unkind to each other and things are happening that shouldn't be happening. Like, we need to think about that peace that God brings that is a fun peace there is joy to Mm. who God is and what God does but there's also a peace and there's a self-control part of that too yeah that's really good so let's talk about one of the key elements of kids ministry that really provides the foundation for sort of setting that stage for this for um having the kids all have a positive experience or Um, what we like to call the rules. Okay, so the rules. Oh boy, rules. When creating (laughs) rules for a kid's ministry, there are lots of theories, Sarah, on how to go about it. Like a lot of people have different ideas and you can look up a lot of different blog posts about here's the best way to create rules. You can find on Pinterest all kinds of like little graphics of posters that have rules for kids' ministry on them. And so here's some of just the most helpful things that we've collected together and ways that we've created, quote unquote, rules. Now, first of all, I like to call rules expectations. Why? Because 
I want kids to know that I'm asking them to step up and do something that I expect from them that I know they can do. Hmm. I know that kids are capable of so many amazing things and calling these expectations rules often leans in telling kids what not to do versus telling kids what we expect of them in the space and loving God and loving others. Yeah, that's really great. So with that, um, it's important to keep your expectations really simple. Uh, If you have a 25-point list of your expectations, it is not reasonable to expect your kids to remember all of them. I think at most you want to have about five major expectations. That's a good best practice. Yeah, and keep those expectations positive. So what do I mean by this? Use positive language instead of negative language. For for example, instead of saying, don't talk when someone else is talking, you could say, listen when others are talking. Mm. It's a very subtle difference, but it's an important one. When you tell someone not to do something, the first thing that enters their mind is that negative action, which they then have to translate into the positive action. And instead, you could start with a positive action that you're calling the kids to. So for instance, I remember many a time when I have been leading a game and I've been saying, the, you know, giving out the expectations of here's how you play the game. And I'll say things like, don't, you know, when we're throwing the dodgeball, you're not going to aim for the other people's heads. And all the kids <laughs> suddenly lose it and they're like, I want to go for that person's head and I want to get hit in the head. And they, they get sidetracked on getting hit in the head with the dodgeball instead of focusing on the fact that said, okay, we're not, you know, going to hit in the head. We're going to aim for their shoulder or their arm, you know, or their leg instead of going for the head. So there's a thing about saying it in a positive way instead of a negative way. Yeah, um, keeping your expectations reasonable is also really important. Um, Remember that kids are learning, they're discovering, um, their brains are forming. They have learned and discovered, they haven't learned and discovered all the things that an adult may have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like not piling on top of expectation after expectation after expectation and being like, here's this impossible standard to live up to. Yeah. You know, here's, these are my three simple expectations that I give to kids when I'm leading or when I'm speaking somewhere or doing our own kids church. So I tell them, number one, respect each other. And this includes, you know, saying kind things to one another, taking care of each other, loving one another. And number two is respect the leaders. So listening, paying attention, you know, understand the directions, being kind and loving to the leaders as well. And then number three, respect the stuff. I always like to remind kids that the materials and the even the building we have is really a gift from God when you boil it down. And so we should take care of these things and not, you know, break them on purpose or, you know, be like, you know, too like crazy with something and like messing around with it so it might break. We, we should take care of these jump things. Jump on the chairs, benches. Yeah. <laughs> Don't jump across the benches. You're not Super Mario, so stay on the ground. You know, respect each other, respect the leaders, respect the stuff. It's so simple and it's positive, it's reasonable, and kids get it. You know, they understand that idea of being kind to each other and being loving to one another. And they know what is not kind and what is not loving. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think when you have it really simple like that, it's easy to also talk about every week. So, um, you know, you might have a new kid coming every single week, and so it's important to do a refresher every single week. Um, even if you have the same kids every week um, in your ministry, it's it never hurts to just start the day on that note, um, reminding them what what you expect of them during the time you have with them. Well, yeah, and if the kids have been out of school for any amount of time, or yeah. maybe you've had a week off because of snow, or, you know, you have a week off because of, I know some people are probably laughing at the idea of a week off of snow, but there are places that take uh, Sundays off because of snow. But uh, different things like that, when kids, you know, aren't there, maybe they're on vacation, different things like that happen. And so just reminding the kids of the expectations because they might forget they might not remember them all it happens they may have had a sleepover party the night before with the other kids <laughs> and from not your really slept <laughs> yeah so the other thing too is if possible you know post your expectations somewhere easy to see like make a slide if you do um like a presentation on a projector or if mm. you have a poster you can put up somewhere you know, have it somewhere where it's easy to see, easy to understand, and consider putting infographics as part of those expectations for kids who are visual learners and for kids who are too young to read yet. Oh, yeah, that's good. You know, having a little visual cue for kids to, re to remember helps a lot. Like for respect each other, you could have a picture of two kids with their arms around each other's shoulders as a, hey, we're taking care of each other picture. You know, the other thing, too, is you could create hand motions for your expectations to help them remember what they are. So like I just said, respect each other. You could put, you know, put out your arm like you're putting your hand around someone's shoulder like we're in this together and, you know, respect the leaders. Maybe you could do like a little salute or, you know, there's all little little <laughs> things you could do to help the kids Maybe remember not. those. You never know. Uh, so we structure our kids ministry with a large group time and a small group format. We have, first, we have a Sunday school hour um, that's really our small group time. And then the second hour is kids' church time um, in a large group. So, Sean, what kind of strategies for crowd engagement have you found helpful when you're leading from up front in a large group setting? You don't want to be up front leading? Nope. I am, <laughs> I am your sound booth girl. I am your, your volunteer wrangler. I will do the check-in desk, but I do not want to teach. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things Sarah told me when we first got married is she said, Sean... Don't make me go on the stage, because I won't come. You can do that. I will decorate that stage. I will paint that <laughs> stage. I will assemble it, but I will not teach from it, which is only partially true, because I did do that one thing that one time. But She's been in a couple skits here and there. But anyway, we digress. So upfront strategies. Okay. Like we've been saying, go over your expectations every time, quickly, succinctly. I usually work it into my welcome right at the beginning of our large group time. So I say, you know, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're here today. Hey, just want to remind you really quick of our three expectations. Number one, respect each other. Number two, respect the leaders. Number three, respect the stuff. And usually by now, the kids all know the last one's respect the stuff. And they'll all chime <laughs> in, respect the stuff and like yell it out. And it's a fun way to do it. Another thing that you can do, I love this. I learned this from a camp and I've used it everywhere. And it is it's like magic. Magic. 
how it works. <laughs> I call it the rocket ship of silence. And what you do is as the kids are talking and maybe you've had a moment where you say, hey, talk to your neighbor about what your you know favorite cereal is and you talk to each other, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the kids come back together by using the rocket ship of silence. And what you do is you count it off one, two, three, and then you just kind of wave your hand in an arch over your head like, and you go, you should, you should do that again, the whole thing all together. Okay, so here we go. Ready? One, one two, two, three. three. And usually by the end, all the kids have like caught on. They're all doing the rocket ship with Sean and it is dead silent in there. Yeah, and you have them all do that sound with you, and they all do it, and they all go quiet. You know, other popular things like this are the one, two, three, eyes on me, and the Mm. kids respond, one, two, eyes on you. Or a lot of people like to use the clapping game where it's like a clap, like, and then someone has to repeat it back. So those are some fun little things you can do as kind of attention grabbers as kids maybe have drifted or you're bringing them back after a discussion point. Those are super helpful. Yeah, I think another thing as a leader, as a children's pastor, director, um, that's important is to empower your volunteers to handle kids who need help. So um, when you're doing trainings, when you bring on a new volunteer, um, it's essential that you talk to them about the expectations um, so that they know them well and can remind kids about them as well. Yeah. The other thing, too, with that is I like to set up what I call the three strike system. So, for instance, the first strike is a warning saying like, hey, Johnny, I'm so sorry, but remember, we have this expectation we need to respect each other. And you just said something that wasn't very kind to your neighbor. So let's remember to, to respect each other. So that first one is a warning. The second strike is maybe a time out in a space that is in the same room but separated. So maybe asking Johnny, okay, Johnny, can I come have you sit next to Mr. Cliff? And then he goes over and sits next to Mr. Cliff and sits there for a minute or two and then goes back to his spot. Mm. And then the third strike is I like to then, okay, this is maybe things are not going well. This kid is doing the same thing. It's not kind. It's not following our expectations. So it's a text to the parents to come and sit with their child. Hmm. I don't like to use the you're not coming back next week or you're leaving right now because I want those kids to be there to discover Jesus and to hear about him. And so... I don't like using that you're not coming back next week as a discipline strategy because I want them there. So instead, I like to invite the parent to come with them to Kids Church to sit with them during large group if that child just is not making it. And having that parent come and sit with them instead of being like, you're out of here, you're done. You know, the other thing you can try... If you have a kid who is maybe just chatting with their neighbor during the story or they're, you know, poking at somebody, something like that is happening, you could use their name in a positive way. So important. Not a like, Johnny, stop it. You need to sit still. But a positive way like this saying, Johnny, did you know that Moses put that bronze snake up on a pole? And did you know that He held it up for people to see, and if they looked at it, they were healed. And this pulls the child's focus back in because they hear their name, and they're like, whoa, 
They're talking about me. That's mm-hmm. me. They're talking to me. And it pulls that focus back in and away from the maybe the distracting behavior that's going on and taking place. Yeah, another thing I've seen you do a lot, Sean, is when you are speaking to kids, you walk around and, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a cluster of kindergartners that are losing it <laughs> or whatever the group age is, um, you, you walk over to be near them while you're teaching. And that sort of is like, oh. Pastor Sean's right here, and it kind of brings them back into what's happening up front. So as a speaker, you know, not being tethered to one spot on the stage, but really kind mm-hmm. of moving around um, can help draw their attention into if there's a behavior issue yeah. happening in one part of the room. So, okay, Sarah, now we're getting to maybe where it's going to get a little close yeah. to home and a little bit of ouch, mm-hmm. but we're here with you. The Lord is we with you. We believe in you. We're going to make it through this ouch together. But here's here's some good questions to ask yourself. If you are continue, especially if you're continuously every week, you're going into your Sunday school room, your kid's church, and you're just seeing, you know, it's just chaos. The kids never it's listen. Just a, uh... You're just asking yourself, like, why is this not going well? Hmm. So here's some good questions to ask. Because you should ask yourself, instead of these kids... Is it something that I'm doing or not doing that's Mm. actually the problem? So, for instance, am I engaging all of their senses? Hmm. Am I just reading out of a curriculum packet with my face down at the curriculum packet, not looking up at the kids? Am I prepared for what's happening? Am I engaging them by using some interactive things like having them imagine what it might have smelled like or bringing in something that allows... Object lessons? Oh, an object lesson like the last episode we just did. (laughs) You know, am I engaging all of their senses or honestly, am I being kind of boring? That's a good question to ask. Now, here's the thing. Some people think, well, I am just boring. I'm not good at this. I can't do it. I think that's a lie. I think anyone can be interesting and engaging. You might need some extra props. You might need to practice some storytelling skills and maybe practice using some different voices even if you read a story from scripture. Like use different things to engage their senses. Or play some background music while play you're doing Play some background that. music or sound effects. You know, have those extra things in there that help to engage kids and get them in the place where they are imagining that story and watching it unfold inside of their head. The other question to ask is, is my curriculum up to date? Hmm. Am I using something from 1960 or am I using something that's more relevant to kids from 2020? You know, we have kids today that they use cell phones, they use tablets, They do screen time. They have a lot of different things that are going on in their world that were probably very different from when you and I were a kid. And Mm. so like when when we were growing up, we didn't have cell phones. That wasn't like part of our part of our world. I didn't get a cell phone until I was 18. And even then it was like a flip phone thing. (laughs) So we live in a different world. Yeah those kids today are just in a different place than we were. Well, and that doesn't mean, you know, you need to have media content. Don't right. I don't want you to like uh, to our listeners to hear like, well, I need to be super flashy. But I think thinking about like, you know, are your examples that you're using in your storytelling or in your like object lessons and things are those things out of date? Mhm. 
Are they engaging? And also, is it representing the kids who are in your children's ministry? Is it diverse? Do you have all the different kids sitting in your room represented in your examples? You know, the other thing, too, to think about is, what am I wearing? Hmm. This is kind of interesting because you might not actually think about this too much, but ask yourself, what am I wearing when I walk in? Am I wearing clothes that are maybe a little like maybe a little dingy like a wrinkled shirt or you know clothes that maybe are not communicating like i'm excited to be here and i thought about it and i'm ready to have fun Hmm. like it's kind of something that's a little bit off the beaten track i remember um, at a conference hearing yancey who does awesome awesome music for kids she talked about this and she said you know preschool kids especially they are drawn to fun colors and they're not necessarily like obnoxious flashy colors like sarah was just saying not being flashy but fun something that's engaging and warm and preschoolers are going to look at and be like wow that person looks fun and engaging i want to listen to what they say There's something about those visual cues that kids do clue in on. Ask yourself that question of like, does this look fun or not? Hmm. I think the other thing too is asking yourself, have I put time into preparing this? Have I spent time actually going through the story, practicing it, practicing the object lesson, going through the science experiment, or am I winging it last minute? Kids will know when you're winging it last minute. When you're like reading the directions and being like, uh, and the next step we're going to do in this game is, uh. And they will take advantage of that. So prepare ahead of time. Think it through. You know, Sarah, the other thing that I was thinking about with this is your room, your space that you're in. Now, there's Hmm. some things about your space you can't do anything about. You know, sometimes you cannot repaint. Sometimes you cannot change the floor. Sometimes you cannot change the size of your room or the, or the seating. <laughs> yeah, some of those things are not changeable. However, there are a couple things to ask yourself about your space. Is the room too cold or is the room too hot? <laughs> you know, according to Lifeway's Holy Kids book, uh, W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y, Holy kids. Uh, They talk about in there that boys typically learn better in environments where the room is colder and they can stand up. And girls typically learn better in environments where the room is hotter and they can sit down. Now, obviously not on the extreme of either end, but at a comfortable temperature at either end. Now, the first thing you might notice is those are complete opposites. And that's definitely something to keep in mind and ask yourself about what is our room temperature? Hmm. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is this going to be uncomfortable? The other thing to think about is what does your room look like? Is the room cluttered? Does it look messy? Is there just stuff lying all over the counters? Are the cupboards like overflowing? Are there like (laughs) toys all over the place? A cluttered room will definitely distract kids it will look messy and especially for those kids who like aesthetics is really important to them and i don't know sir if you want to say something about that but this could be really important for those kids to walk into a space that is not cluttered well i think going back to our expectations conversation earlier sean um 
you know, when you're working with like preschoolers, for example, like it's important to have rhythms to your service and maybe spaces in, if you're in like one room for the entire time you're doing your preschool ministry, have, have your lesson time always be in the same corner of the room. Have your snack time or your craft time always be in the same spot. Um, it's helpful for the kids to know, to get used to that structure. Um, and it just, I don't know, it helps them overall to, I think, absorb more if it's not a surprise every week where they're going to be doing something. And they tend to follow along better. Yeah, having those intentional spaces that are set aside for different activities. So, for instance, with preschoolers, having your space where you sit down and this is our spot where we're going to sit in a circle on our little squares or our little circles and we're going to listen to a Bible story. That's this space. And then over across the room is where we have some toys and some activities. That's where we're going to play and do those things. And these tables over here, this is where we're going to sit down and have snack. Having those areas where the kids physically move into a space and having it be the same space for the same activity each week really helps especially younger kids to have that routine and to follow along well. You know, the other thing, Sarah, is moving from large group to small group, there's some different dynamics. When we go from maybe our large group time to our small group time, hmm. you have a small group of kids. Some of them become more emboldened to be a little more wild. And some... Pastors, kids, just kidding. <laughs> what? And some become shyer and maybe don't want to open up because there's not the safety of the bigger group. Hmm. And so a couple of things about that would be recognize that with your small group time, if you're doing discussions or crafts or different things like this, you will have days where it doesn't go well. You will have days where you feel like, wow, that just didn't seem to even be anything that we should have even spent time on. Like, was that even worth it? Like, I feel like a failure. And you will have days where you leave that small group time feeling like it just didn't go well. And here's what I want to encourage you. Remember that the Holy Spirit is always at work. Hmm. You might not be able to see it. It might be a Sunday where we had a little bit of fun and we had that one moment where we talked about God's love or we talked about prayer or we talked about reading the Bible or we talked about whatever. And that was all we had. <laughs> but that one moment is something that God can use. And those relationships that you build with those kids is something God can use. And so don't give up if you have a bad day or even a series of bad days. Mm. You know, know that the Holy Spirit is still at work and recognize that maybe the Holy Spirit is working in a different direction than you are. Like you might be wanting the group to go through these certain questions and get to this end point, And suddenly a kid brings up something and says, well, can I pray about animals? Because someone told me that animals aren't important to God. And they ask these mm. questions that suddenly they want to know when you're actually talking about, you know, Moses and the bronze serpent. And you're <laughs> thinking, I have other stuff we need to talk about. But here's this kid asking a question that's really important to them. And yeah. it's taking that moment to say, okay, I'm going to set aside the plan we had and be able to go in this direction and talk with this kid about this. It's important. Be ready yeah. to pivot if you need to. Yeah, I think the other thing to think about is, um, you know, keep everyone at the same level. So when you are like arranging your space, um, you know, make sure you leave enough room for them to all sit in a circle on the floor or if they're all 
if you have chairs, you know, they're all sitting in the chairs or if you have benches, they're all on the benches or around a table, like make room for everyone and have them all be at the same eye level. Yeah. And then also set expectations for what you're doing. If you're doing a craft time, go over those expectations. If you're doing discussion, go over those expectations. Remind the kids of the expectations you have. Go over those again. It's okay to do. Yeah, um, and the other thing is uh, check and see if the questions they've created or if the activity <laughs> is too hard for the group you're working oh, with. I'm Sarah, looking I'm at the you, worst. Sean. Sean has a, a challenge with picking craft Crafts. projects that are age appropriate, but it's okay. Oh. We're, we're works in progress. So the worst was we decided <laughs> to do these Thanksgiving turkeys. And we should not have done there the were these feathers, turkeys. and there was eight feathers for every little turkey, and the kids wrote mm. things they were thankful to God for on each feather. Let's also remember we had to cut out these turkeys the night before. So <laughs> so many hours of turkey feathers. And the kindergartners mm. kind of looked at that craft and saw all these pieces and were like, nope, we're out. We're not doing this. And it was a little chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> but it was too hard for that group. And I learned a really important lesson from that to say, okay, I need to think about my different grade levels and ask myself, are these questions too difficult for this kid? Like for this age group, or is this craft going to be too hard? Is this activity going to be too difficult? And asking those questions. The other thing too, you might just think about, you know, if you're a volunteer leading a lesson for Sunday school, sometimes you may have to just pause and pray yes. or move on to do something other than what you're doing. It might be time to just pivot and say, you know, we're going to set aside those discussion questions and we're going to go to this activity instead. And that's okay to do. It's okay to pivot, to read that room. And, you know, sometimes I think it's helpful if you feel like you're a person who's maybe not intuitive about when should I do that? Like, should I do that? Like, ask someone to watch you. Ask if you're a volunteer, ask your children's pastor or director, say, hey, can you come? And I know it might be scary, but can ask that person, can you come and sit in on my small group time and give me some pointers on maybe where I'm hmm. spending too much time or where maybe I'm not engaging the way I could be? And be willing to take that feedback because it's going to help you be a better children's leader. So those are things that are super helpful with different kinds of scenarios of large group, small group, up front, down front, all the places. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for being creative with us today. We hope you're feeling a little more confident about encountering maybe some behavioral challenges and engaging the kids in your ministry instead of just feeling like you have to do crowd control, but instead crowd engagement. If you like what you've been hearing, leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. The Kidman Creatives is a podcast hosted by Sean and Sarah Stevenson. Scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 1996, 2004, 2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Inc., Carroll Stream, Illinois, 60188. All rights reserved. Well, until next time, see you later. Bye. Bye.